podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Before we begin this program, some analysis and predictions on the Wrestle Kingdom card from Japanese wrestling expert David Campbell. Lashley, Lashley, Lashley. Yes, I am talking, of course, to you about the Junior IWGP Tag Team Championships because Leo Rush is challenging for those belts alongside Yo, and they will be taking on TJP and an Italian man called Francesco. Now, TJP and the Italian man known as Francesco, I believe they've retained the belts quite a few times. I have been impressed with what I've saw of them. You know, 100% I've been impressed with what I've saw of them. But I think that this one is going to come down to the team of Leo Rush and Yo, because I've heard Scott and Grant talk about Yo a lot on this show for the past couple of years, so he must be alright. And now, on with the show. Gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Happy 2023, you beautiful bastards. I almost said 2022 because I'm not used to there being a new year. I do that every I do that for at least the first two or three weeks of the of any new year. I say the previous year, but you know, I make sure to correct myself. I'm a professional sometimes. Welcome to East Meets West, the first thing you're hearing on the East Start Airwaves in 2023, unless it took you a while over New Year to listen to that most recent central where we did the end of year awards, in which case this might be the second thing you've listened to in the New Year. But we're here, the first two of the month, as we mentioned a couple of episodes ago, it said that going forward, East Meets West will primarily be the first Tuesday of the month, keeping our monthly schedule, unless we need to do an extra show or the... Uh, date of release needs to be moved for a special reason, i.e. a tournament starting or some major breaking news that we need to get out before the release date ages it quickly or New Japan announces anything, which they're wont to do. <laughs> but it's a new year, but same old host of East Meets It's myself once again, along, joined as always by Grammy Robbie. He's from <laughs> Back as usual for the first show of the year because we start out with our version of Christmas. It comes a little bit late. But my God, it's Wrestle Kingdom time. Yeah, it's a late Christmas. It's like Chinese New Year. It happens a bit later on, but it's still a, still a happy occasion when it comes. Yeah, you see, Christmas comes twice for New Japan fans. You've got this in January and the actual Christmas in December. But we're going to... He- so we're hearing this on the 3rd of January, so you've got 24 hours to listen to this and square you up for tomorrow or January 4th. Wrestle Kingdom goes down... You know, it's not the only night of Wrestle Kingdom. They've also announced another night of Wrestle Kingdom uh, in Yokohama Stadium. Uh, sorry, in Yokohama Arena on the 21st of January, I say. So I'm assuming that basically we'll have this New Year's Dash, which we don't know the card of. Like, literally, when they do the, the card rundown at the start of the show, that's when we'll find out what, what's going on on the show. And I'm assuming everything from that will be set up for uh, the show on the 21st. Uh, I know this is a Risk Kingdom preview for like the main Risk Kingdom on January fourth, but Grant, how are you f- feeling about this having another Risk Kingdom just like two weeks? I think it is later. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I refuse to accept that that is another Wrestle Kingdom. It's not in the Tokyo Dome. It's not at the start of January. They've got to stop doing this bullshit. Give it like give it. They're really good at coming up with really random, weird names like Hyper Battle and stuff like that. Why not call it like? Super Mega Hyper New Battle January Edition. Or just call it Super Mega Wrestle Kingdom. So it's kind of Wrestle Kingdom, but also kind of isn't. So, you know, it's like the, like the recent series of Power Rangers. They've done, to get more out of the actors for each season, they've, done, they've spread them across two seasons. They do one normal season, and then the next season they just add Super on the front of it. So it's new. You know, That's it. You know. they, they could do something. <laughs> And also, it's weird because literally the next day there's a new beginning show. I believe it's in Sapporo, and then the new beginning tour starts up all the way to like mid February, ending with new beginning in Osaka. 
as I believe Mitt to signal the beginning of cheering crowds being the norm once again. So there's a chance that there'll be quite a few tag matches on like the undercard for that Wrestle Kingdom to set up some sort of singles match or title match that's happening the next night as part of New Beginning or something that's happening later on in the New Beginning tour. So it may not even feel like a Wrestle Kingdom because it'll probably be doing set up for stuff that's happening on the New Beginning tour. I think they just they're getting a little bit illogical with it, but it's Gado. What do you expect? <laughs> I think they just wanted to do a show in that stadium and in Onyokam Arena, so they couldn't think of what else to call it and obviously they didn't want they already made agreements to do New Beginning and Sapporo and all these other places, so they thought, fuck it, we'll just call it Wrestle Kingdom as well. You know. Wrestle Kingdom two point if you will. Uh, that's it. Great Balls of Fire was already taken. <laughs> uh, so, like, like we said, this is the big show of the year. You know, the first big show, not just of New Japan, but of wrestling. You know, this is where you know everything kicks off in the wrestling world. The first, some of the first big contenders for match of the year often happen here at Wrestle Kingdom. We're going to run down the entire card uh, in order where it's been listed on the New Japan website from the pre-show onwards. Uh, pretty sure we don't need to spend a lot of time on there's an opening match between a couple of young lines it's got a 3 minute time limit so even Stevie Wonder can see that that's going to a, a time limit draw it'll uh, be over quicker than Jack Graham <laughs> it's a more it's more, it's a more exciting 3 minutes than most men get to experience in their entire life but <laughs> we've also got an Antonio Hanoki uh, Memorial 6 man tag team match with uh, Nagata, Kojima and Togi Makabe taking on Tiger Mask, Suzuki, and Tatsumi Fujinami. I think with Fujinami coming in and kind of everything about Reskina being a tribute to, to Antonio Inoki, who sadly passed away uh, late last year, I think it's fair to say that the team with Fujinami being on it is uh, probably going to be the team that walks out on top. Further proof that these old granddads in New Japan will wrestle till they're dead. Yes. Fair. If Inoki could have gotten away with it before he passed away, he would have wrestled that match if he'd made it to Wrestle Kingdom. You know, it's 50 years of the company I started. Fuck you, I'm going to wrestle a match. There's nothing you can do to stop me. <laughs> oh. But I think the main thing we need to talk about is the KOPW 2023 Provisional Championship, we should call it now, not the Provisional Trophy, because it was unveiled very recently the a new KOPW championship belt. I think the whole purpose of uh, it being a trophy in the first place was to distinguish it from everything else, but then they said, fuck it, let's give it its own belt. And Greg, I think the thing we, you and I, very much agreed on about this is it's very blue. Very, very blue. Dabba dee, dabba die. <laughs> dabba dee, dabba die, indeed. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, there's a, there was a point where Ultimate Warrior was WAF champion and he kept changing the colour of the strap. At one point he had a white strap which looked pretty good but then this kind of light blue almost turquoise kind of strap for a bit and I found like a, small, a quick gif of that I sent to you like this is what this is giving me vibes of because it's got a very bright blue and there is a hint of an eagle at the top of at the top of the main plate in the middle so it's very it very much looks like something Ultimate Warrior would come out to yeah, that's it. it I, I honestly, I, I was like, another belt? Like, we're, we're going to technically bring in two new belts in this one show? Yeah. I know, it's, it's, it's weird. So, Shingo Takagi was the KOPW like, for 2022. So, he then vacates the strap. So, you know, he, he's the last person to hold the trophy, and the person who says will be the first person to carry KOPW under the Snake Eyes with the championship belt. Uh, obviously, this is pretty much everyone else who couldn't get on the show, plus some surprises. You know, I believe it was last year where we got Shima showing up, which I couldn't have called if you paid me. You know, sometimes we have some of the old granddads, but the granddads have been given their own match on the pre-show. Uh, I think it's fair to say Toriano is always a favourite, but who else do we see being in this uh, this Rambo match? It's always a, a ton of fun. I mean, because he always seems to make it right through to the, the distance, that, that wee ball bag Chase Owens will probably end up being there. Um, weird, because like, this will be like the only match that isn't a surprise 
on New Year's Dash because like the, the last four will go to a, like a four way on New Year's Dash. I was like, that's one surprise less. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like either the the the, the match right before the intermission, the match that they come back to at the intermission, you know, after the little break they usually have. But I'm also wondering if Shingo is going to be in this match anyway because he's the former champion. But at the same time, as as much as, much as I've enjoyed some of the stuff he did, you know, he presented a more a serious side almost to the KOPW, you know, the match with El Fantasmo and, and Tai Chi. Despite the fact one of those matches stipulation was involved calling someone your daddy, uh, he still he gave out like, a new spin on it, you know, something refreshing from like the comedy that we were used to with Yano. So I feel like he should be in this match at the same time. It also feels like he shouldn't be in this match because like you're you're better than this Shingo. Yeah, I mean, let, let's face it. Like, the, like KOPW actually did produce a five star match at the end of the year between yeah. Tai Chi and Shingo, an actual five star banger. So, you know, Shingo deserves better than this. I've seen so many lists from it. Like, here's all the matches that got five stars. Here's some of the best matches rated five stars or more by Dave Meltzer. So, I'm sure everyone who had that kind of list was pissed off when they heard about this because this he slipped that in right under the bloody wire. Did did old Meltzer? Because uh, I really was shocked. Like, and no offense to Bushi and everything, but he's always a fall guy. The fact that Bushi was teaming with Sanada and, and Naito later on that big six man and not Shingo is just baffling to me. So I'd say Shingo and Yano are guaranteed to go through to that four way, but I don't know if Case is still around. So hell, get someone from Suzuki getting involved, like Taichi or even Doki in there. Get Doki a belt because. Now that he's no longer in Suzuki, you know, the sky's a little bit for Doki. If, if Gino is there, I want to hear the Doki Choki get, getting shouted as he wins it. <laughs> oh, oh, don't don't get my don't give me hope about Gino being there. You know, I can't I can't get my hopes up again. It's been too long. Oh, but I think we can agree on that. This will be filled with surprises and be a clusterfuck, but in a good way. <laughs> oh, totally will. It's going to be absolute madness. Looking at down the card again, we we joke about AEW having too many titles. New Japan is mental for titles. There's only one match on the main card that's not for a championship. I mean, two of these titles. One of them's just been introduced and having its first defense, and one of them's having its first champion crowned on the show itself. It's just mental the amount of title matches. Look at so and so championship, junior championship, tag team championship, like. Yeah, it, uh, it's just insane. It's almost night of champions. It pretty much is. That's basically what this is. Every major show like every time is basically a night of champions. And we start off the main portion of the Risk Kingdom show with the junior heavyweight tag team title match with Catch Twenty Two, the tag team champions, on their third defense. Francisco Akira and TJP taking on Leo Rush and Yo. Now, what's interesting about this is that right at the start of the Super Junior Tag League, which Joe and Leo won to earn this shot, they did lose to TJ and Akira. So that made their their claim to the finals a lot more interesting. And they got the win over Bullet Club's Chris Bay and Ace Austin. And now they're looking for some retribution here. I think the real story about this is really all about Yo kind of having a redemption, finding a new partner after, you know, he was wandering aimlessly after Joe betrayed him and how he morphed him. Now it did seem like you know, Sho got the better of him because, like, because, you know, remember last year he beat Sho in a match and then from then onwards, like, Sho won a six-man belt and Yo won it off briefly and then lost it back and then Yo did nothing. So, like, you wonder, like, so Yo's meant to win this, but why does it look like Sho has had the last laugh? I know. How can someone that's in the house torture get the last laugh? How? I know. <laughs> Uh, so I think for his sake, yeah, Yo and Leo need to win this. But you know, that's a, that's something I mentioned to you before. I only noticed it uh, recently. The only belts that they haven't found a space for is the bloody six man tag team tails. They've found a space, so we're gonna have a six man. We don't want you guys involved in it. So fuck off. Let, let you guys try and ruin everyone's fun in the bloody Rambo. Oh God, no! You've just made me think. Evil could win. Could get to the last four of the Rambo. Oh no. no! But then again, like if all four members of the House of Torture try to get involved in the four way the next night, 
they've got three other guys in there, and it was so during bloody World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League. Even when it's four on two, these guys are still fucking So there's always hope that evil <laughs> won't prevail, and both metaphorically and literally. So I do find it interesting that that's those are the belts they chose not to include on this show. Definitely an interesting choice, but I'm hoping for maybe like a random six-man tag for the belts at New Year's Dash. I I, I would enjoy that. I would enjoy that. But uh, what do you think going into this? Do you think it seems maybe a bit obvious that it's setting up for the chaos, uh, the new chaos duo to go all the way and uh, reclaim the tag team titles? Oh, oh, that's 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 a big potential, that. You know, it looks like chaos is on a big resurgence at the moment. Mm-hmm. Since they're fucking everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are very much everywhere. I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm happier for we chaos being here than the other tag match we're going to talk about. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. And you know, these like the juniors opening the show. It's never a bad choice. Of course, it, it does feel like uh, like the old. The old uh, method of like Wrestle Kingdoms when they always used to open with the junior uh, junior heavyweights, whether it be a junior heavyweight match or a junior tag title match. So you know it's always a great pace because you've got you know, the young lines, a fun you know chaos like ramble gauntlet match. Then you got a tribute match, and then you got this. You know, it's what I always love about Wrestle Kingdoms. Like even whether or not I'm enjoying, it, I'm looking forward to a match. I know every match on the show is going to you know present you with something different. That's it. We're going to get good variety. They don't give us two of the same back to back. And yeah, the the Kingdom card, just the order of it to me, seemed right this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, I like Akira and TJP you know, as the third defence, but it does feel like like Yolo's whole journey with Leo has been bit about you know, getting him back to prominence in the junior division. So I think even though it probably will only be like a short ring because there actually isn't that many teams in the division despite what the junior tag would try and have you believe because there were a lot of, when we first heard of it, a lot of random pinnings in that tournament. But I do think it's going to be the Chaos team that win it. But there's always a chance that, you know, the Empire will win them back. Oh, yes. That could be massive. It could be, it could be. Uh, so for, I'm going firmly away with Chaos for now. Uh, then we have a new championship, the IWGP Women's World Championship, with Tam Nakano being the first challenger to Kyrie, who won the title in the main event of Historic Crosser, which we covered uh, a couple of episodes ago. Uh, mostly, I know first is it. I'm really hopeful of us to have a, these two have a good match because I'm worried that no matter what happens in the ring, if Sasha Banks shows up like we think she's going to, it might just overshadow what these two do in the actual match itself. Oh yeah, this uh, if Sasha Banks shows up, let's we, we've got to address that elephant in the room. It's been mm-hmm. talked about so much. It's been rumoured. She's tweeted very vague, cryptic, vague posts and that. It's probably going to happen that she's going to make make an appearance of some sort. But this match itself, um, honestly, I think it's got the potential to be a show stealer because both women are fantastic wrestlers who, have, funnily enough, have never actually wrestled each other as far as I'm aware. Kyrie was going to WWE at the time that Tam Nakano just came in. And apparently it was Io Sky who told Kyrie that Tam is a lot like her. So it apparently put her right on her radar. So this is going to be a... I mean... I don't know if you've seen any, any of the clips from like Tam Nakano's like in ring stuff, but she is fucking wild. I've seen a brief. Uh, most of what I've seen is when she popped up as part of New Japan. This crossover, like we saw in that uh, that eight person tag match at a historic crossover that had like members of Suzuki Gun on it, all the opposite ends. But poor uh, Tam Nakano doesn't have the uh, doesn't have the best. Uh, momentum right now is she and her tag team partner won- lost their goddess of stardom tag titles at the most recent recent wrestling stardom dream freedom show the big end of the year show on the 29th they lost them to Yane Takashi and Yui so she's going in with a loss but a continuation of a, a brief mention about that stardom show there was a clip from that uh, Shuri Julia match 
like that, the spots across the chairs and the crowd. Remember those those two were obviously in streaming with Tom Waller and Zach Stewart Jr. respectively. But uh, there was a big tail change when Julia won the World of Stardom Championship. So I'd be interested to see her crossing over again, especially with Zach Stewart Jr. Now that you know, Zach, it was clear, clear Zach knew that the end was coming for Suzuki. He was trying to get in her faction. I remember watching their backstage comments. That's it. There's so much potential that's coming in the back of this, and the fact that stardom is getting such a prominent place on the card as well. It's it's very much something I if you'd said to me like a few years ago that we're going to see women's matches on a Wrestle Kingdom card, I wouldn't have believed you. Just never seemed like a New Japan thing. Yeah. What do you think about it being so early on in the card? I would have liked to have seen it a little bit later in the card, especially because of how big a deal it is with it being like the the new title is first it's getting its first defence. But at the same time, coming on the on the back of the juniors match, this could be a perfect follow up to it and Really, feel sorry for the poor bastards that are going after them. <laughs> See that about a lot of people across this show. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, I enjoyed the historic crossover. I especially enjoyed the match with uh, when Kyrie won the title. It was a real great showcase for people who don't get to see a lot of it of you know classic Joshi wrestling. And I think we're going to see that on full display here. And hopefully, you know they they pull it out of the bag and. Make sure people will still remember Tanakano and not immediately go, oh, look, Sasha's here. Which, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm overly confident about it, but like, I think all signs are pointing to it. And I think it will turn a lot of Western eyes over to Stardom or New Japan or wherever they choose to officially you know, hold the match for the title. Yeah, it, it very much feels like it's point at sign obvious going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting where this IWGP Women's Belt falls in the hierarchy and when it goes back to being on a stardom show because just briefly glancing and hearing about it on the historic crossover, like stardom's got a lot of belts as well. There's a, like a lot of like singles belts over there. So I'm interested to see where that kind of falls, like like just being below, maybe just below the, the world title over in stardom. That's it. It's like, if you think we've got plenty of belts in New Japan, wait till you see how many we have in stardom. <laughs> All the belts. Ah. <laughs> it's like it's like that line something. So you like championship belts, eh? We'll have all the belts in the world. <laughs> uh, but, like you said, talking about people who have to follow, like we said, you know, we've got some strong Joshi wrestling, then a second match following a great junior tie match, and then we've got two teams who where you might think about either team are both te- or teams who understand the like, classic you know tag team wrestling that maybe you have not seen a lot in the past in like places like WWE, but you will see in other promotions like AEW or New Japan as we have the tag team champions, uh, FTR Cash Wheeler and everyone's favorite new podcaster Dax Harwood <laughs> taking on Bishimon, who we had plenty to say about their their win at. Or win at the World Tag League final, but they're here in this spot against FTR. FTR, they've lost the Ring of Honor belts to the Briscoes. They lost the AAA tag titles to the and Dragon Lee, who immediately then said, Oh, by the way, we're vacating this because I'm off to NXT now. So it's just a trifecta, Grant. Do we see FTR dropping the IWGP tag? It, it feels like the obvious thing that is going to happen is that Bishamon's going to get these belts back and that FTR are going to drop their, their last bit of gold that they've got left. Um, you know, it's... Let's be, I'll, I'll be 100% honest. This is not the match that I wanted at Wrestle Kingdom. Not by a fucking long shot. We went into that in very much detail the last time. But something tells me it is still going to end up being an absolute banger because... As much as I take the piss at Yoshihashi and Goto as a team, they do have a habit of turning in a good match right when it's needed, and this is where it's needed. Absolutely, and then you got FTL, like we said, masters of like tag team wrestling. We had in and I don't think that twenty twenty three is going to disappoint either. I think it's going to be potentially even better. And you know, if they do lose the belts here, because I don't think they were ever meant to have that long of a reign, but. Would you believe they've held the belt since June? I know, it's it's unreal. And this is, to me, this highlights a big problem when you've got a team that's like holding multiple belts. Now, 
it, it works okay in like small indie promotions where you know you're not contracted to anyone. You can kind of go here, there, and everywhere as you see fit. But FTRs had the big problem of they've had like three major promotions belts at the same time. It's not been a lot of defenses mm-hmm. over that time. Yeah, this is actually their third defense, but they've crammed those in because they won them at late June, like the last weekend in June, and then the very start of October is where they had that match with Aussie Open, and then that lot and they went for the match with Okan and Jeff Cobb, and then with here they are here, they missed out on World Tag League because they were busy leading a lot with the, the Bristol, they lost at Triple and you know, it's not not to say that we won't see them back in New Japan or holding the IWGP tag titles again because, you know, the rumour is that uh, they, their contract is up some point in late 2023 and they might choose not to be not and not in order to go back to WWE, but the case of like, let's just be freelancers, let's just roam to different territories, different indies, which means they might have more freedom to come back to New Japan on a more regular basis, which I, there was one benefit for of them like not resigning AEW to see them more in New Japan, I think, is amongst them, if not right at the top. Yeah, because I, I, I think like the, the only way they're, they're going to stay in AEW, Tony needs to pull the finger out and actually start using them and using them right, because Tony has not been using his toys right in this in this year of our Lord's 2022. We could do a whole show on that and all his mis- mistakes in the, in the last year, but no, I just hope that he pulls the finger out and gets it right because FTR's too good a team to lose anywhere. They're just, they bring, doesn't matter what you think of them as people, because I know a lot of people don't like Dax. They are a fantastic tag team. I think just Dax like, is willing to speak up for himself and uh, has a very much high opinion. I think we're going to hear a lot of that in his new podcast. I've listened to some of the CM Punk episode and not listened to, to all of it. But, you know, I'm liking what I've heard so far, and uh, he's given hints that he, even he wasn't a big fan of when he was in the pinnacle. Like, he liked it at the start, but I said as quickly as time went on, things didn't go, he didn't think things went so well. So I'm looking forward to when he eventually does an episode about that group, because I keep forgetting that's everything and, until they were teaming with Wardlow randomly last year. But, you know, I'd like to see FTR here. I mean, because the thing of the places it would be great to see FTR popping up and challenging for you know, tag titles, even though it could be sad if they lost the IWGP belts here that, you know, we don't get that visual of, like, them as Ring of Honor, IWGP, AAA, and, like, AEW, like, holding all, like, four belts at once, but I imagine that that would come with a schedule that even they couldn't keep up with. That's it. Like, that would just be an unreal schedule. <laughs> Let's face it, no one's going to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, are we how confident are we that FTR are losing here? I honestly feel it's almost a certain. I'll be massively surprised if they retain. I'd be pleasantly surprised if they re- retained, but I'm definitely we <laughs> beat him on, which can lead to more stuff hopefully down the line with people like Aussie Open or uh, like LIJ down the line, or even TNTK, because TNTK had a hell of a show in World Tag League. So... I'd be interested to see what happens with the titles when FTR go back to AEW. But now we have a brand new championship and something that will be will showcase some great techers, but also won't overstay its welcome because it's only got a 15-minute time limit. The New Japan World TV Championship, like Battle Autumn, where they did the semis, was so, feels like so long ago. I've almost forgotten about the title being introduced in the first place. You know, that big, massive TV title that they have to wheel in, probably in order to showcase that ringside. you got Zack Sabre Jr. versus the son of Strongsdale, Ren Narita. To me, Ren Narita is being set up for that classic young lion return from excursion push there. We're pushing you, it looks like we're pushing you heavily, but you get your first shot at a championship, and then you lose, and then we rebuild you from there. This is his biggest opportunity so far, and I think this is where he has his first stumble. Yeah, this this feels very, very much classic. Here's your here's your big shot, but you're not going to get it in the first go. And who better to go up against than ZSJ? Because this this match is good. I think it's going to be brilliant because I that that TV tournament just produced bangers, left, right, and centre. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I remember the matches being like solid at the time, like and how close they kept getting to like the time limit. Everything they're constantly teasing us with the the draw. I don't think they'd do the coin flip to crown the first champion. I'd find it fucking hilarious if they did. But I doubt that's going to happen. But I do think they're going to do what they have done with Zach's. Like, some of these early tournament matches is that they are going to take it right down to the wire, like, light to the last maybe even 10, 5, 10 seconds. And he's going to have Renarita and Vicious Submission hold. And he's going to give up with just seconds to go. You know, to help elicit that sympathy for him, to help continue him on whatever his next stage is. Yeah, that's that's it. Like whatever happens to Narita at the end of this match, this is only the start of him. This is this is going to be like the sort of the past big things, and I would not be surprised to see Narita holding some sort of gold by the end of twenty twenty three. I just don't see it happening at the start of it. Yeah, but I mean plus. You got Zack Sabre Jr. finally with a New Japan you know, branded singles championship, which is long, long overdue. And you know, like he's so lanky, so skinny, like having that belt wrapped around his waist, it's gonna take up his like majority of his fucking midsection. So he's gonna look like crying in the teenage meeting ninja turtles. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> crying if crying call everyone a dickhead more often than not. Which which would be Amazing. The next time you choose to reboot Turtles, because they're going to do it again, I imagine very soon, whoever, whoever has the rights to them, you know, have Crank call somebody a dickhead every turn. Oh, look, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja dickheads. <laughs> if a giant turtle spins in the air before doing a kick, fucking move. Just move. <laughs> Better. Why are you not telling your soldiers to use the fucking tickets? What have you been teaching them? Oh my god! I need that. I need that to happen. I actually need to see that happen. It needs to be a thing. Oh. And then we got the matches. I don't want to be hard. This is the most likely to be a bit meh. At being generous depends on how much effort the champion puts in. We have Machine Gun Carl Anderson fulfilling his obligation with his never open weight championship against former champion Tama Tonga. The conclusion, similarly to the. To the like, of the being kicked out of Bullet Club back in February of last year. You know, a lot of people are saying that Sami Zayn beating the Usos at WrestleMania will be a consolation. Like, kind of a team that's satisfying him beating you know, Roman Reigns to the tail. I actually think if Sami beats the Usos in Mania, getting ahead of all those issues today, it actually is more fit to the story. This, what, what people think about Sami beating the Usos being apparently disappointing, is what I think about this. Because, yeah, build time up, he's going to get revenge on the guy who orchestrated the kick out, which is, let's play Jay White. But no, he loses Jay White in a title match. Oh well, might as well get my belt back from that other bald dickhead that they kicked me out for, who then buggered <laughs> off the WWE. That's it, the bald fraud needs to drop the belt because his open weight, he's going about proclaiming himself, I'm the greatest open weight champion. No, you are fucking awful. The yeah. big bold fraud must go. He must. He must speak. Uh, we, I, I, I stand by what I said in the last couple episodes ago that like he shouldn't have he shouldn't have lost the belt to begin with. You know he needs to go have a long reign. Cause I'm pretty sure is uh, is Tam Angolo injured or do we know how long he's out for? Because he hasn't been around in ages. That actually, like, yeah, yeah, you've nailed it right in the head there. He never should have bloody dropped the belt to begin with. Because I don't know when Tangelo is going back, so yeah, let him have a longer like reign, and you know, let him do showcase what he can do with the never openweight championship. Let's get that belt fucking defended properly. Because I kept forgetting he was the champion. If I'm honest, I kept forgetting about that belt. You know, but you know, on the bright side, the IWGP US belt's been kind of getting a lot of shine while it's been away. So we're gonna have quite a few singles titles in New Japan now. When we get this belt back and we've got the new TV belt and the bloody US belt, all the belts. Every belt under the sun. You want belts? You've got belts, belts, belts. We interrupt this podcast for another bit of analysis from all-round Japanese expert David Campbell. And a lot of people don't know this, and I know I joke around, you know, oh, David Campbell, expert in Japanese wrestling, but... 
I love Tamatonga. I love Tamatonga. Purely because he just seems like quite a, quite a sound guy. Like, that's it. On the other hand, Carl Anderson. I don't think he seems like a sound guy. I think he seems like a bit of a prick. And I've heard Grant call him a fraud on this show a couple of times. And that, that got my, you know, that got my attention. I was like, oh, dearie me, a fraud. Grant, you, you dirty bugger. You know, you, oh, you little crumpet, you, Grant McRobbie. Oh, man in the glasses. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, I'm good for Tamatonga. Absolutely sensational analysis. And back to your regularly scheduled programming. Uh, we, take, we take a break from belts. Say goodbye to KJ Muto. Not the same as the great Muta. It's KJ Muto who is teaming with Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shota Umino to take on Naito, Sanada and Bushi of LIJ. I mean, I know the whole show has been built around Antonio Inoki and I get what this is the point, is, the point of this is, but like, it feels like they're taking the piss. Because it does, because like, I know as Kijimi always, he's won a lot of championships. I think he won quite a lot of his early like accomplishments as Kijimi before transitioning to Great Muta. But you know, he's having the match a few days before this with Shinsuke Nakamura on New Year's Day uh, as Great Muta, and then in February he's having that final match routines with Thing and Darby as the Great Muta. So he's on the Great Muta retirement tour, not the Kijimuto retirement tour. This just feels like another attempt. Like let's squeeze some of that. You know, I think this is the Japan ones. Let's squeeze some money out of getting them, allowing them to see Keiji Muto one more time. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, like Keiji Muto, great meter. They're, they're definitely not the same person either. We've never seen them in the same room like Bruce Wayne and Batman. <laughs> or Clark Kent and Superman. Oh, if Keiji Muto puts in a little mat, a little face paint. Oh, where did Muto go? I can only see Muto. Ah. <laughs> oh. So where do you see this one going? I mean. I think I don't have an idea where it's going to go because Muto doesn't really seem to be willing to lose a lot and he's uh, on his goodbye tour, even though it's kind of meant to be the point of a farewell tour. I'm keeping an eye on the result of this sh- the, the Nakamura match. If Nakamura loses to Muto, then Muto is probably going to fucking moonsault and make his knees turn to dust and probably pin Naito in the process. Oh, he can't pin Naito. I mean, I think Bushy being put into this match showcases is proof enough that Muto's somehow going to win this. Like, maybe it'll be a case of like he'll miss somebody or hit somebody with a, a, the lightest shining lizard in history so his knees don't explode. And let's Tanahashi get the pin after the high fly flow. Feel like Gary Little had to get the win at the match a start crossover against the Empire. Or is this the thing like, okay, I've beaten one of your New Japan factions, let me beat another one. That's, his, that's, his, that's what he's trying to do here, but you know, I, I still think he's probably going to beat Nakamura because I didn't think Noah would have somebody come back to WWE, come back in from WWE. He doesn't even have a history with pro like Noah. Like, new, like Nakamura's a New Japan guy, and Kijimuto, you know, he's won the Noah belt as well recently. But so he's got a history of both companies. But Nakamura coming in from WWE into Noah, I don't think they'd let him beat Great Muta. Nah, definitely, definitely. I think it's gonna be a gonna be a weird one. That, like, it's it's the weirdest retirement tour I've seen for like, like you're meant to go let the other people go over in your way. Out. Not me. Fuck that shit. Yeah, says who? Says who? That's a great muta. Ah, but then normal service resumes as we have in the third from last spot. We have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship and a fatal four way match. Of Taiji Ishimori and only his second defense. By the way, he won this pre the G1, I think. I think he may even won this at Wrestling Dontaku. Uh, as he takes on Wato, Hiromu Takahashi, and El Desperado. I think the only one time he defended it was right before Kushida came back, like the same as Kushida came back uh, against Hiromu after Hiromu won the uh, best of the Super Juniors for the umpteenth time. And I know they wanted to kind of delay the stuff with. Kishida for like a big show for Kishida's come out and then that the Kishida you know got sick and then had to be moved out of this. But I don't like that in his fourth reign, I believe it is as champion, they just suddenly decided to make Kaiji Shimori like, oh yeah, now he's a shit chicken shit who's too scared to defend the belt. <laughs> I know the the whole 
Ishimori deserves better than he has ever got with every time that he's held that belt. They've always oh, yeah. put the belt on him, then it's been like, oh yeah, we forgot about you. You've got that belt, haven't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please don't take it off me. <laughs> I know, like, he won it uh, off Kishida, like, as Kishida was leaving, and then he randomly lost it at that MSG show quite early to, like, Dragon Lee. Which is, I don't know because Dragon was even a full time New Japan guy, and then like he said, other times where he's won it, where like he's been like overshadowed by Hiromu and other people in the division, and then there's this where he just doesn't defend it, and he loses non title matches to Master Watto. <laughs> but having said that, I think this is going to be an absolute belter of a match because you got these four involved. You know, we joked about how they're basically redoing the last four where they did because there was a nunt in the last one, but that last match. Nance aside, was a great four-way, and I think this will be an awesome four-way as well. And you know, all that aside, with the, like how the title's been built, how Ishimori's been built as champion, this is one of the only matches on the card. I genuinely am thinking, I don't know how, I don't know where this is going to go. Yeah, this this one has the unpredictability factor with it being the four-way, and they say like, you know, the, these four ways at Wrestle Kingdom, Nancy's are not always end up being banging. Mm-hmm. 100%. So um, definitely, there's definitely a lot to look forward to in this. Because like, everyone has their... You know, they, keep, they could try and shock everybody and say, oh, by the way, we're going to get to Master Watto. Or Desperado could finally get the belt back because he never got a fair rematch after he lost the belt to Ishimori. And then Hiromu is basically you know, their safe bet whenever they need to put the belt back on somebody. So... You know, like literally, this could go anyway. Or they could just decide, you know, Ishimori's going to retain, and we're finally going to do this Kishida match at some point, maybe at the Yokohama Arena. So literally, I I can't even predict who's going to win this. I'm I'm just going to. Uh, uh, I know in my heart, I want it to be Desperado, Hiromu. I would also like to see win it, but I also feel that he's had a bit of unluck with the belt and the injuries, so. Maybe just a little bit longer while Desperado. <laughs> but yeah. not the way of the Grand Karen. Master Watto. <laughs> I definitely think that the better option of the four is, is Desperado. But it, it could go in any direction. Now we get to our, what's basically a double main event. I think it's been promoted as such. Where we have Will Ospreay in his fifth defence. Uh, if he retains here, then next time he defends the belt, you'll have broken the record for like most defences of the IWGP US Championship. Taking on Kenny Omega, which when I was thinking a few months ago when we were thinking about matches for Wrestle Kingdom and two, you could be talking about when we eventually did our Wrestle Kingdom 17 or WrestleMania X7 uh, preview, I did not think Kenny Omega would be on the list of contenders to be here on this car, let alone a uh, main event spot for a title. Yeah, th- this is the match which they teased it. They made us think about it back at Forbidden Door and stuff like that and lead up to it. And it's finally happening. And I could not be any fucking happier. I think I think this is your... I think this is a, an, an instant, like, fucking seven... Probably, it's probably going to take eight stars, this one. Oh, yeah, I mean, Will Ospreys could, could have farted in 2022... And he would have got four and a half stars from Dave Meltzer. That was the run he was on. Plus, Kenny Omega kind of made was the one who was doing the who made famous the like breaking of the Meltzer scale. So the two of them together, how can it be anything less than like five stars? And I know there'll be high expectations, but I'm a, I have a feeling those expectations will definitely be met when the two meet in the ring. And I know I said in the last episode I wanted uh, Osprey. Even though more often than not, I'd call him a dickhead in real life. I wanted him to cave like Omega's head in with a hidden blade because, you know, recently I, d- I don't know what it is, but recently I've suddenly started not liking Kenny Omega again. Just personally, just there's just something about him that I don't like. I don't like how this Omega, this elite like death triangle thing has been going. Like, oh, you guys won three matches because you cheated, and look, we've won a match. And we won one match. So now these matches are all stipulations where you can't cheat. Oh, look, we, we're starting to win and we're probably going to beat you in the seventh match. Oh, yes, we were the best team all along. Like, fuck you. Uh, yeah, that, like this, that, 
the fact that like Wrestle Kingdom means that they have to take a week break from it as well. So we get it. We we got six weeks of Death Triangle and the Elite. We get a one week break, and it's back on again. Yeah, and a ladder match for the final one. Which the Elite are more likely going to win? Because hey, we're back. Give us our belts back. I'm pretty sure like the last match in the in the whole thing's got an extra stipulation as well. I'm pretty sure like it's a. Uh, Fuck was it called? This one of those like Mexican, like I think it's like like one of those mask no, 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 matches. That's the ladder match. That's going to be the last one because like they had four normal ones, a no DQ, false count anywhere was the most recent one, and then yeah, I think it's Escalera de la Muerta is the name of the the Mexican name of the ladder. I think it's what the same one they called the ladder match that the Bucks and Liches had back at the very first All Out. Oh, Chris, it's not. Oh, God. Oh, it's just a ladder match. Oh, fucking bolt. I thought it was something else. Yeah, no, it's a ladder <laughs> match. <laughs> how, how often would you hear the announcement of a ladder match between these guys get met with the phrase, ah, oh, fucking bolt? I thought it was one of those, like, mask these hair matches. Or and I was like, are we going to see the entire elite bald? <laughs> no, that, that's never going to happen. Nah. Oh, well. But, uh, it's one of the best of seven things. Like it sounds interesting in paper, but you know when you're getting it every week, it does get a bit tiresome. Yeah, if they could have spread out a little bit, then that's right. Also, I know they say though that Rampage isn't secondary to Dynamite. No, she didn't put any of these matches on Rampage, not even the live ones, not even on a live Rampage. You know, give people an excuse to tune into that show. So. But again, another say that you won't even you're not even willing to put this on rampage is showing that that's secondary to to dynamite. But Will Osprey did an interview with New Japan uh, on the website, and I've been skimming through it. Not if anything interesting, and uh, he commented on something that Kenny said in the in the promo that he had at uh, the promo video from uh, sorry crossover. Where he talked about, you know, I car I went away, I carved my own path and everything to form like EW. And also like it's kinda of rich coming from him saying that he gambled and created his own path. Like we gambled on ourselves. No, you bet with a billionaire son's money, bruv. Calm down. I thought it's the the two interviews have been very interesting to read because they're just like Omega's being like incredibly like bitter about like how Osprey's like took taking the helm. The Osprey's just like Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, some ah oh, fuck off. <laughs> so you can fucking. But this is actually my favourite thing. Was Omega retweeted his interview, going straight from the heart. I got a bit emotional and almost shed a tear during this interview too. Will Osprey responded, "Fucking pussy." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. Fuck. Go on yourself, Will, with Iron. That was outstanding. Just straight to the point. Oh, 10 on 10. But I think it was always going to be like, you know, a bit hard to imagine somebody from AEW coming in winning an IWGP, you know, belt. But I think, you know, it's really important because given it's Kenny Omega, they could believably do it. But I definitely am. All Will Osprey in this match. I want Osprey to win, beat Omega in the Tokyo Dome, get all the stars in the world, and you know show that dickhead up. Yeah, this everything about this match just screams it's going to be an absolute banger. And Jay White and Okada are probably going to be sitting there in the back watching it, going, "You bastards!" <laughs> yeah, if you want to feel bad for anybody on this entire card, it's. Jay White and Okada you need to feel bad for because just like Omega and Jericho were with Sharon Okada and Naito wrestling 12 some years ago now it's Jay White and Okada that are being kind of overshadowed here as they go one-on-one for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and the belt that Jay White won from Okada way back at Dominion and I believe this is only Jay's third defence because he defended it for Vindor and then again against Tamatonga so a lot of people on their third defences in this show, I'm just realising. Yeah, it's actually quite a quite an interesting one that when you think about it. It's everyone's still quite and yet most of the people with these belts have all held them in a, for at least like a half year period. 
you would see like how much like they do kind of space out the uh, the tail defenses in New Japan. Sometimes they have a bit more leeway, unless there's like circumstances where they can't, you know, attend an advertised, you know, tail defense. But you know, we we do like to rip on Okada from time to time. It's the style, and you know, it does feel like you know it was annoying that. Well, that he won the G1 and then refused to defend the, the defend the opportunity even against Jonah who they, they'd already scheduled a match against uh, even though Jonah beat him in the G1 which I'm sure offended Jonah so much he said fuck you okay, I'm going back to Derry. my mate Triple H is in charge now I'm going to get a lot more money right, I'm going to be the one making it rain with all the money that Triple H is going to give me and so uh, I like that JY just perfectly just put him down. He's like, "You're so much like you. You so much want to, you know, you so badly want to be like I tell you. Look, you want to make him proud. You want to honor his memory. What would he think of you? You know, checking out of defending the tail just because you don't feel like it. You're fucking coward, Okada. <laughs> That's it. It's it's just like that that whole like not defending the the G1 briefcase sort of whole situation. That that, that pissed me off. I was annoyed. I was annoyed as fuck at that. I know it's supposed to be, you know, creating drama, you know, for the lead up to Redskin, you know, make things that maybe things can change in a dime, you know, anything can happen. If you go to a New Japan show on the way to Wrestle Kingdom, you know, not everything is set in stone. But you know, no. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> no. Fucking just has to ruin it for everyone. Dick and honestly. As much as I'm looking forward to this, you know, Jay does have the the better little win record over Okada. It does. I've been feeling a lot of dread since this match was announced because, again, it's meant to be in honor of Inoki, who, you know, Okada is so desperate to be like he's been emulating him in his attire and he's been doing like his poses at the end of his post match promos. And it just feels like the setup is just a bit too obvious. Like quite a few matches in the show feel obvious, but in sometimes in nice ways. But this one, it's just a case that feels like, oh, well, Okada's going to do it for Anoki, and he's going to end the uh, end the year as champion. He's going to start off the year as champion, or end Wrestle Kingdom as champion again. It's God for we have any kind of you know Wrestle Kingdom show or uh, you know Tokyo Dome show that doesn't have Okada at the end. That's it. This, this is where I do feel supremely sorry for Jay White. He's, I don't know about you, but I've heard the, the term that I've heard being thrown out there is dead champ in the water. Mm-hmm. Like, I swear to God, if, if, if Okada wins this and ends up with an no kick quote, I will throw something at the telly. <laughs> and they mean like, oh shit, I broke my telly. But that bastard broke my telly. He owes me a telly. Okada. I'm coming from my telly. <laughs> oh. I mean, you're like, have they ever? I, I can't even remember a time they'd ever had a heel close out, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. And, you know, I doubt that a show dedicated to, you know, the founder of the company would end with a heel going over at the end. I mean, even though maybe deep down it does seem like something that Unoki might choose to do on a whim. Because he, he himself was a bit fucking mental. But, uh, I mean, Hart said you like, like, but history is saying Okada. Yeah, my, my heart wants Jay White to win it, to retain it. But, yeah, and, he, he, and I feel as well they're making the big deal about that Jay has a 4-1 record against the Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. This is going to be where they make it 4-2 and break my heart. And like Ralph Wiggum, you will be able to see the point where it breaks. It's the fact that they do keep mentioning the win-loss record between the two, which does make you think, like, oh, well, Kyle's got some catching up to do, so he may as well may as well have him beat bloody, may as well have him beat the White here, which is sad. Because it does feel like he all, I don't know why, but it feels like he's beaten the White more than he actually has. But I think it's just the dread of him potentially beating somebody I like is what's making me think that. 
Yeah. And I know we... Yeah, know we... There you go. There's definitely a feeling of dread in the air. I do not like it. <laughs> I know. I know we shouldn't end the show with that. Like we're, we had to finish on the main event because it'd be weird to then talk about the pre-show to end the show. So we had to go bottom up and not, you know, top down. But, you know, maybe we'll be proven wrong. Maybe we're just big fans of G-White and we will not apologise for that. Damn right. I've been a G-White fan since day one. Or what, so I'm not. I'm never backing down on this one. The only positive, the only positive I see about Okada winning is that it will piss off Stephen Wilson. <laughs> and that itself is a victory for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but there's always you know, little victories, little victories, you know. But if, let me ask you this. Like, maybe they, say they set up a match for either New Beginning or for the show at Yokohama, like Yokohama Arena for the, the title after this. If Jay White wins, who do you see potentially challenging at the end of this? And who do you see challenging Okada if he walks out with the title? I think New Year's Dash could throw some surprises and I'm honestly in my mind whichever one of the two of them wins if ZSJ loses the TV title match I can still see him coming in as a surprise contender in the back of New Year's Dash for the big one I think if uh, if Jay White wins it I think um, you'll have somebody like Naito so at least there'll be something, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Jay White Naito as opposed to, you know, having too, ma- too much of Naito versus Okada that we did in 2022. But if Okada wins, I think I, I could see somebody from, from the now defunct Suzuki Gun challenging him uh, for the title. Like somebody, like one of the guys wanting to, you know, make a breakout on their own. Not, maybe, maybe not Zietti, but someone like Taichi or even Suzuki himself. Because I did send you that stuff from that backstage comment where he hasn't given up on becoming IWGP champion one day, and like you mentioned, you know, it's the one it's one big thing he, he still needs. And I, I wouldn't be against you know give give Suzuki. I think he's earned more than earned the right to be IWGP champion. Aye, that's it. I definitely, definitely think that that would be a fantastic shout, and I would not complain about it. What do you guys think? What are you guys most looking forward to for Wrestle Kingdom 17 or WrestleMania X7? Playing X is what I think is cool. <laughs> and let us know what match you're looking forward to. What you're always looking forward to. What do you have any predictions? Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Suplex Retreat and our Facebook community page. Make sure you follow us there. Leave a comment, get involved in the conversation. Also follow us on TikTok. Apparently we're doing very well over there. I feel like an old man because I don't understand TikTok, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I know, I know, I know how to use it to to find funny things. But other than that, you know, it's it's all in, it's all in Wilson's hands. So he's clearly down with the kids, and maybe we should check his hard drive about that. <laughs> since he basically <laughs> since he shaved his head. But also make sure you keep up with East Week's well. Check out the back catalog of East Week's Super Retreat for past episodes of East Week's upcoming shows. Like I said, now hopefully we're forward being the first Tuesday of every month. And I'm sure next Tuesday or whenever it is we record, depending on what the schedule is like, we are going to have a lot to talk about, especially kicking off 2023. There's the back catalog, East meets West, past episodes of ESR Central, where we recently did our end-of-year awards, past feature shows, episodes of Saturday Draft Live every Saturday, obviously, and all sorts of other great stuff, interviews, reviews, previews, as the guys like to say. And I think that's everything. All I'd like to say is to thank you once again for joining me. For you know, it'd be nice to have a break from East Meets West, if I'm honest, because we did those other two shows very close together, and we had to do this in very quick succession. It's been a, a lot of East Meets West in a short span of time. But we are consistent. We are quality, and you know, and just ending on a good note. Great, O'Can. IWGP Heavyweight Champion 2023. All hail. All hail. Let's make it happen. <laughs> See you, everybody, and enjoy your Wrestle Kingdom. And finally, New Japan expert and all round brain box on the professional wrestling, David Campbell, once again gives us his opinion.
Say yeah, go hard all day, all night. All the proud Southern people will be ready to fire. Say yeah, 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 yeah. FTR, they're taking on Yoshihashi, who I believe is a. Is he not like the R Truth of New Japan? That's what I've heard before. Obviously, I don't prep for these little sound bites, but that's what I've heard. He's dealing with someone, they're taking on FTR. Listen. I will, I will eat my hat if FDR was this match. This is merely a formality. Merely a formality, ladies and gentlemen, who listen to Eats Meets West. It's FDR, surely. Sports Social Podcast Network.